I go, you know, I, you know what I look like? That's what I said to him. I go, General Hospital, do you know what I look like? Yeah, yeah, we're interested in one. Whatever. It's not going to work for you guys. Don't even go there. We laughed about it, me and my agent. And he called back. I was here with Felicia. I go, Felicia, I just got three episodes of this fucking General Hospital. You're and I never dreamed of And it didn't hit me till I walked down there, Felicia. Sometimes nothing hits you till you actually go down there. I, went, yeah. I had to go do paperwork. And when I told the guy I'm here for General Hospital, like he looked at me weird. And he goes, just make it right. And when you get there, it's a fucking hospital. Oh, yeah. It's a fucking hospital. Yeah. It's it's a, gen, you know, emergency room yeah. and admissions and go down this. People walking around with white shit on. And you're like, oh, my God, what did I get myself into? That's funny, Joey. This is something from another dimension for me. Like, I'm fucking upset about it. Like, I'm... I'm a little fired up about it. Like, last night I had the mask on. I couldn't fall asleep. So. Do you have sleep apnea? Fuck yeah. Like a motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> and it was, I couldn't fall asleep thinking about it. You know, I just I just did a sleep study for that. What did you think? Well, they said I didn't have it. They said what I am is a sleep grunter, which is a completely different thing. So in my sleep, I go... In my sleep, I go... <sighs> like, I grunt in my sleep like a crazy person. Oh, no, no. So Jeez. I had to do the test. It was in, uh, like, an abandoned office park. So I'm there alone with this this guy who's <coughs> from Detroit. And, you know, he's like, okay, so we're alone there. And he's like, now you have to sleep. Like, I can sleep in an empty office park with some rapey dude from Detroit and who has, like, complete and total access to me. I couldn't fucking sleep. He's like, well, you must not be that tired if you couldn't sleep in, like, this Saw 3 rape factory. I was like, sorry, can't do it. It was scary. It's, uh... You know, like when I first had my sleep study, I was in really bad shape, so I would fall asleep anywhere. Would you fall asleep driving? Yeah. Holy shit. That's the worst. When you fall asleep, uh, I would get in the car. Like, I would say, pick me up, Felicia, and, you, and before you know it, at the first fucking right turn, you'd have to pull, push me off you. Joey, what the fuck? Oh, like really? It, it was that bad? It was that bad. Oh, my God. And then one time, to be honest with you, I fell asleep at a light where the car was on, like, brake, and I woke up to beeping, and and that's how you get the machine. Yeah. That's how you, when yeah. you tell insurance that, that's when the game is done. Yeah. Like, yeah. look, oh, yeah. I ain't fucking around. I fell asleep on the 405. Get me that fucking machine. Yeah. You know, like, that's what you have to tell insurance, and they'll get you there that oh, yeah. day. Once you start falling asleep driving. But Felicia, you pick me up to go to Bray, like, hey, Joey, get in, boom. But then, Joey, I don't really know the 210. I'd be out cold. You'd be pushing me the whole way. Joey, please get up. And I just pass out. It's funny because when I first went to the sleep doctor's office, everyone who was waiting to see the doctor was dead asleep in the waiting room. Everyone Are you except serious? for me. And I was like, shit, wow. I guess I'm not that bad. Wow. <laughs> snoring, wow. sitting up snoring, like in two seconds from sitting down. Yeah. I could crazy. watch you sleep on a plane and I know if you have sleep apnea. And let me mm. tell you something. If I come to you and I tap you and I go, you got sleep apnea, you might get pissed at me and go, no, my, it's the beginning of it. I was there. I know what the beginning looks like. The machine changed your life, though, didn't changed it? Changed my life. Yeah. And you know what? I talk to people all the time, that bitch, and, well, I did it for six months, and I could do it because it bothers me. I'll tell you what, man. I sleep like a fucking baby. And I, now I'm falling asleep without the machine. Not for long periods, but I'm because I always thought, what the fuck if there's an earthquake and there's no power? Last week, the wind went out for four fucking days. Mm -hmm. Nobody's got power. So I have a generator, but I also practice falling asleep without it just in case you never know you don't want to get too addicted to something you know what i'm saying yeah i had a friend who did it and said they never realized what really sleeping was like until they got the machine they were like oh so this is what people do every night i had no idea they said they they never knew what it was like to wake up and feel okay you know and i was the type of guy like my mother always had me on the run as a child so people used to always tell my mom you never taught this kid to take a nap in the afternoon my mom was like what nap so that always killed me and then i was always the guy from 13 on that you, you don't want to go home because you might mm -hmm. miss something. Mm -hmm. The last thing you want to go do is go home and then come out the next day and say, Felicia, what happened? We bumped into a girl. We all got a dick sucked. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're like, <laughs> fuck, I'll never go home early again. <laughs> and then I got into coke. Yeah. And I didn't sleep for another 20 years because of the blow. Even so when then you never sleeping. missed anything. And all of a sudden, <laughs> bam, when I'm 30, I get to sleep apnea. And it was a slow progression until people were telling me. And then I, a doctor woke me up and... Uh, Where's Clinton from? Arkansas? Arkansas, like that. Whatever city he's from. Little Rock? Uh, Little Rock. They were waiting for them to pick me up at the hotel. Uh -huh. And some guy tapped me on the shoulder. He goes, listen, I'm a doctor. You don't have to believe me, but you're a week away from dying. Holy That's shit. exactly how it went down, Felicia. Oh, there was wow. no drama with me. I knew something was wrong. I just didn't know what it was.
Now, didn't the women you were sleeping with ever say anything to you? My wife kept saying, there's something fucking the matter. But I would go to bed at uh, at 11. I would take six Tylenol PMs, eight of them. Mm-hmm. And then go into a little Tylenol coma for an hour, and then I'd wake up and I'd be awake the rest of the night on the Tylenols, which is a horrible fucking oh. high. Eight Tylenol PMs, I'd smoke dope and do mm-hmm. blow on top of it. But when that guy tapped me on the shoulder, it was like a surreal experience. He was like, You're a week away from dying. I could tell from your eyes and stuff. He goes, It's bad. You have to go immediately. And I remember getting back from the plane and I went right down there, and I remember, for, yeah, like you said, falling asleep, waiting for the doctor, like him waking me up in the fucking room. <laughs> yeah. Then when they put the mask on the first time, I mm-hmm. fell asleep again, you know, so. Well, in case you people were wondering uh, whose voice you're hearing, that is a, a young girl that I met. Uh, actually, when I got back into comedy, I, I went and I did these classes called The Pretty Funny Women, and because uh, I figure I got to meet young people again, you know, I got to know what's shaking. I've been out of the business for nine years. And uh, Nina was uh, one of the girls that I met and uh, we became uh, became friends. And I was uh, always thinking as last week we had George Perez on and you said that I said we should get George. He has a great story. I had said to you, we should also get Nina. Nina has a really interesting story. And I thought you would enjoy talking to her about it. And it's uh the fact that Nina comes from uh, Philly, and yep. uh, uh, Nina Manny, and uh, uh, tell us a little bit about your personal background growing up. Oh, shit. Well, yeah, I grew up in Philly. My father was uh, <laughs> my father was involved in organized crime. Was in and out of prison most of my life. He was a big meth dealer. It's funny. I actually Googled him recently. Oh yeah. And I, I don't Google your parents. It's a bad idea. But I wasn't sure if I would actually find anything because the first time he went to jail when I was alive was in the 80s. So I wasn't sure if I would find anything. So I Googled, Googled him and I found that when my dad was arrested when I was little, in his meth lab, they found, now mind you, this is 1980s money. Uh-huh. They found $70 million worth of meth. Are you 70 shitting me? million dollars. And I'm sitting there reading this. And I, I felt like really upset, you know, that he got caught. Because yeah. <laughs> here I'm thinking, God, I could have been so fucking rich. Like, I was never, like, old enough to really enjoy, you know, all the drug money we had as a kid. You know, yeah. the, the, the most benefits I had was, you know, when kids couldn't get a Cabbage Patch doll, I had five. You know, that was the big... I just wish I had been older to really enjoy right, that money before right. he went to prison. <laughs> well, let me ask you this. How many times did he go to prison? Um, I know before I was born, I'm not really sure how many times he went to prison. I remember talking to my mom and asking her, uh, how did you meet dad? And she was like, well, my, oh, my mother's Jewish, by the way. My father's Roman Catholic Italian. My mother is this, you know, funny-looking Jewish lady. She had a big red afro, you know, in, in the 70s, you know, in those big sparkly froze. And she said she met my dad at this nightclub called Artemis in Philly, which apparently was this big, famous nightclub. And she said, you know, they dated for three months, and then he disappeared, and then he came back, and they were together forever. And I was like, well, Mom, where the fuck was Dad for those three months? Did you, like, meet another chick or something? She was like, oh, no, 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 no. He was on trial for murder. And I was like, holy shit. Well, he must have gotten off, right? And she was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He didn't kill that guy. And I was like, oh, good to know that he killed other people, but apparently not the guy that he was, you know, arrested and put on trial for killing. That was, you know, of comfort yeah. to me. Wow. And, and she's completely opposite, so opposites attract. Well, you know, opposite in a way, but what's interesting is there was a lot of drug dealers in her family, too. Her brother, my uncle, was the biggest marijuana distributor on the East Coast. Most of the men in my family, like above my generation, had been in prison, including my, my Jewish grandfather. Everybody had been in prison. Everybody. Wow. So, you know, I come from a long line of criminals and drug addicts. Now, you know, the, when was the, what's your earliest memory of him coming out of in, or prison? Did you ever visit him? Well, you know, oh, yeah, all the time, all the time. I remember um, I was visiting this fancy Quaker school. It was my first day to go visit. I was in third grade, and I remember hearing banging at our front door, and then our front door got busted down, and the FBI and the DEA came in and like rushed our house and handcuffed my dad and we're just swarming our house it was it was crazy how old were you i was third grade so was that eight 
and I didn't know what the fuck was going on. And I remember I started, I started to cry. And I remember my mother grabbed me. I was on the stairs of like, you know, our row home in Philly. She grabbed me, she shook me and she looked at me and she said, you never let them see that they can hurt you. Stop crying. You never let them see that they can hurt you. And I remember that was like a serious memory for me. So I just stood there as an eight year old, real stoic, you know, with these people swarming my house and like trying to ask me questions. It was crazy. Was it, was your uh, father when they handcuffed him, was he aggressive towards them? Was it pretty? Was oh no, I... he was probably coming out of like a two week meth binge. So he was, he was in that sleeping for a week phase. So he was like. He was like grateful they came, thank God. I'm gonna get some sleep. You know I know, saying? right? Because when you know they're coming, when you know they're coming, you know what I'm saying? Like if you're a street guy, you know they're coming. Oh, he knew. You always know they're coming. You just don't know when. Yeah. You clean up. You take the spoons out of your house. Mm-hmm. You do this and this. You always know when they're in the area lurking. Oh, yeah. So everything is very clean. Your phones are clean. So when they come in sometimes, you're in suspense. Mm-hmm. Because what the feds and the DEA want you to think, when they park a car in front of your house, mm-hmm. is they're not parking a car in front of your house to watch you. They're parking a car in front of your house to see your reaction. Everything around your world is tapped. Oh, yeah. They want to see your reaction. They're going to see if you're going to call Joey Diaz first or Nina first. That's all it is. So these guys, after three months on your end of thinking to yourself, fuck, they're finally here. You know what I'm saying? Like, finally. They finally got here. You just sit, shut your mouth. Mm-hmm. And when it's weird, did, remember the first couple times they came, like how they started coaching you? Your parents would coach you. Like, sit down, don't say a word. Don't talk to them. Mm-hmm. You know, don't answer any questions. Sit on the couch, you know. Like, it's just fucking, it's yeah. a different world. It is. It, it, you it, have to raise your children a different way. It, it's true. And I, I don't know if you were like this, but I could really, at a young age, only ever relate to the children of my father's friends because we all right, lived in you that knew world. Other that kids, they, they, they lived in some other world that I had no idea. And you weren't allowed to mention no. that to the other kids. And that's even the heavier burden that I've seen even as a no. child. Like I go to, Like, I go to my friends, my mother's friends' houses, and there were some families that, the husband knew what was going on. The mother knew, but the kids didn't know. Mm-hmm. You ever have those? The kids didn't know until mm-hmm. the doors came knocking down. And, and I grew up with that, that they didn't know, but I always knew what was going on. So I would go and watch him in action, and it would be fucking beautiful to watch that. He'd be pulling it off like a regular fucking criminal, you know? It's well, just... you know, it's different for you because you're a boy. For the for the women, you know, for the girls, the girls are always very protected, you know? It's interesting because the guys would run around, you know, dealing drugs, you know, killing people, beating people up. But God forbid if you ever cursed in front of the one of the women in their house, you know? It was a very sort of strange moral disconnect. You know, so the women were were always very sort of shielded where the boys knew more of what was going on because it wasn't a woman's place to be involved with any of that stuff. You know, you protected the women. When your uh, father, the first time you saw that when you were eight, at what point did you think it was possible that your father was a bad guy? Well, this is interesting because at that age, you can't really process what an adult could have possibly done. I remember telling kids who would somehow find out because my dad was all over the, the news. papers. Yeah, yeah, in the every, papers. Everybody knew, but you know, like, so the parents would know and their kids wouldn't be allowed to come to my oh house. Oh my God, yeah. But the kids wouldn't really know. And I remember like one kid found out and asked me what my dad did to be in prison. I remember saying some bad guy took a diamond and planted it in his drawer and the police came and found it. That's why my dad was in prison, because at that age, that was really all I could process. And I also remember as a little kid thinking, if you did something bad, you went to prison. So as a little kid, I was in constant fear that if I did something bad, I would go to prison. And when I say bad, I mean like steal the kid next to me pencil with the Garfield eraser. You know what I mean? Like I thought that was enough to get you thrown in prison. So I was terrified as a child. It was it was it was How really old awful. were you when you found out the word drugs and what it meant? I would say I was in my early teens. When, you know, when kids when kids around me like really uh started doing drugs and people uh that uh knew my father really started telling me stories and I would start to hear more of my mom's conversations on the phone with my dad when he would call and I would hear more of what they were whispering about when we'd go to visit him in prison then I started putting everything together now how old were you when you came to the realization that because you grew up in the 80s you're a little younger than I am a lot younger than I am and it's 
weird that when you were growing up, there was more alertness about it. Mm-hmm. Like I grew up, and and I would I told Felicia I'd see the rings around my mother's nose, and I would make believe like I just play with my GI Joe like that was just. And every once in a while, I'd have the balls to say, "Mom, wipe your fucking nose," you mm. know. And she'd go, "Oh, I'm sorry," or something. When did you come to the realization that there would did you now, did both your parents do drugs or just dead? You know, I I think really just dad. But after my father went to prison, this is this is when I really really knew. Because my 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 mother wants to fix people. She wants to save everybody. So as soon as my dad went to prison, she moved in her friend, and her five year old kid and her friend was a big drug addict. Moved her right in to the house. You know, so we'd always have a serious druggie in our house, and she would leave around plates of cocaine. And she was always super whacked. And I think that's when I really knew. And she was my best friend. She, she used to take me to the pool and watch me at, at this local swimming pool, blitzed out of her mind, and I would drive around town with her while she would score drugs. I would have to, uh, when she would go and meet with people to get drugs, I'd be like playing with her kids in the alley behind their house. But let's keep in mind at that age and time that that was also uh, when people were looser with it, you know? Like, oh, yeah. I remember going to babysit people's uh, kids. And at the age of 12, they would give you joints and drugs, and they'd be like, it's on the table. And I just remember sitting around being petrified, like, why would they do this, mm-hmm. you know? It was, it was scary. It made me feel like a, a degenerate, frankly. You know, it made me feel bad about myself and my family. It was kind of crazy. It's funny because when I was about five, we lived before I moved to 205 West 80 issue we had a stint on 89th street and that was when I came to the realization something wasn't right my mom had money you know jewelry the bar you know we ate good everything was okay and then one day we had this uh, lady who lived underneath us you know and abuela uh, we used to call her grandma how are you and one morning you know I wake up to a bang on the door and I open it's the super of the building he goes your mom around he goes tell them they're downstairs And the next thing you know, I see my mom running into the bedroom and she comes out with this Macy's bag, you know, and she's doing something. We had a little balcony outside and all of a sudden she had the balcony and she took like this fucking thing and threw it to the balcony underneath and she came in and right there, boom, 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 boom. And and I had a drum kit. I'll never forget, I had a drum kit in this living room. I was a kid, five maybe, tops. And they came and my mother said to me in Spanish, don't say a word, just sit on the couch. And they broke us up and they tried to ask me questions and I had my little fucking imagination I was an only kid. You couldn't fucking talk to me when I was five. <laughs> and I remember them leaving, and I asked her what that was, and that she threw over the balcony, and she goes, it was cash, you know? And I knew there was cash in the house. But then later on, we went to get it, and I peeked in the bag, and it was blow. Mm-hmm. And I remember uh, going on a school trip uh, to the police station, and I'm talking about narcotics, and me asking this guy what narcotics were, and me being shocked. Mm-hmm. Like, I was in shock, Felicia that I understood the numbers. I could live with the numbers and I could live with the loan sharks and all that shit and the sports betting. But even at five, I knew drugs wasn't fucking cool. I didn't want to be, and I'm confronting that. Like, what the fuck? And shut your mouth, it's none of your business. I was holding it for a friend. Here's $20 and like anything else in life. For 20, I just turned my head, you know? And uh, But it's weird, like that was the most shocking thing about finding out what my family did. Did you ever go through the phase where you were like, oh, I'll never do drugs. I'll never be like that. We've had this absolutely. Yeah. And it was a difference for me to drink. That was one thing. My mother had a bar. Smoking pot was the next level. Mm-hmm. That was against my morals because I was an athlete. And that was really against my morals. The, the cocaine and anything up my nose because I seen them putting shit up their nose was always going to be taboo to me. Mm-hmm. And I did it. I finally broke down because I just wanted to get out of the way. And that was the beginning of my end. Once, yeah. to me, it wasn't the drugs that killed me. It was the breaking of that character. That I always thought that I, if I did that, I, I, I'd go over into a different realm. And I went into that realm. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And it was a disgusting, filthy fucking realm of life. I can't believe my parents did it. You, now, you never did drugs. I did. Okay. I did. I never super got into drugs. Like, I've done coke when I was a teenager. I loved LSD. Right. I like, loved LSD. Yeah, took <laughs> loved LSD. I've, you know, I've always smoked pot, which was never a super big deal in my family. You know, it was, you know, uh, organized crime and hippies was the, was the, two, was the two things. You know, Where's my, your dad today? He's dead. Sorry to hear that. How long now? 
Uh, he died three years ago, but before that, he was like a vegetable for like eight years. Well, tell us uh, what happened. What was the longest stint that he ever did in prison? Um, when I was really little, I think he was in prison, I believe like eight or nine years. And then he got out for a few years when I was in my late teens. It was my last year of high school. And then two and a half years later, he went back to prison uh, for illegal use of the telephone, which is how they get you if you don't want to rat on anybody. You know, they basically try and, and, and scare you. And then uh, six months before he was supposed to get out that time, he was jogging in prison and had a brain aneurysm, fell into a coma, and then was having strokes. And then uh, when he came out of the coma, he was blind, uh, paralyzed, severely brain damaged. And because he was in such good physical shape, like it would have killed anybody. But because, you know, he's in prison, running, lifting weights, all that stuff, you know, his body kept him alive. And he was like that for eight years in a nursing home before he died. It was fucking awful. My dad was a boxer. Um, that's how he first kind of got into everything. He was approached by, uh, I think it was the Cadillacs in Atlantic City, um, who wanted him uh, to work for them because my, my dad was a fucking badass. Like, he could kick ass. Like... Whenever I meet people who know my dad, they always tell me stories like, yeah, I was with this girl one night and the Pagans were there, like five of them, and they were giving me a hard time and your dad came and beat them all up by himself. Like those are the stories I hear right. about my dad. Like he, he, was, he was an ass kicker. What is the worst thing you know that your father did? <sighs> the worst thing. Um, Not necessarily what he got caught for, but morally in your mind. You know, it's, I'm not, I, you know, I think, I think he may have killed people. I, I, I don't know. Um, I know that, uh, I know he beat somebody so bad that uh, I, I think the guy was left like brain damaged and handicapped, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Did he go away for that? I think that was one of the things. I know there was a, a lawsuit uh, against him, and there was a lien on our house and all that stuff uh, for his entire life because uh, he was supposed to, you know, pay this guy some sort of settlement or something. But you know, I, I, to this day, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I want to know everything, in all honesty, because the truth is, I loved my dad. As as sick as that sounds, I was daddy's little little girl. I loved my dad. I never, my dad never hit my mom. He never hit either one of us. He was always, you know, he was always a big teddy bear and adored me and, you know, thought I was, I was, I was it. And, you know, so it's, it's, it, it's, it's very hard to sort of separate out the things he did and then, you know, him just being my dad that I loved. What is the uh, best memory you have of your father like, you know what I mean, that you go to? Hmm. You know, I remember, um. I remember when uh, he was out of prison the second time when I was a little older and uh, I had gotten a new job and uh, he was just so excited and he wanted to take me shopping to, to buy me a new outfit and uh, it was it was just you know very very sweet and, and, and very happy and he was just always he was just, you know, so proud of me and just so desperately wanted to to bond with me. It, it just, you know, it, it 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 was it was sad, but it also, you know, warmed my heart because here's a man that, you know, when he first went to prison, I was eight years old, and he came out, and, and I was a fucked up teenager, and I knew what his idea of me was. So when he came out of prison, I stopped doing drugs, I stopped cutting school all that stuff because I wanted to be that sweet, pure girl that he remembered because I felt so incredibly sad for him that he had missed all that. You know what I mean? So I straightened up immediately when he came out of prison the second time because I wanted to be that for him because I felt like how awful. That's like the worst thing that can happen to somebody is to be taken away and miss your kids growing oh, up. Oh, that's a fucking horror. But the weird thing is that you got to see the psychology of, and I'm not going to say criminal, I'm just going to say yeah. of a street guy. Oh, yeah. Because what people don't know is it's like you deal in shit 20 fucking three and a half hours a day. Oh, yeah. 
you deal in shit. You deal with people who carry weapons. You deal with people who have no morals. Some have fucking high level of morals, mm-hmm. like your father. Trust me, I'm telling you, you know, you sit there sometimes, like, I'm in the same boat as you, and I'm like, what if my stepdad was a serial rapist? Mm-hmm. You know, how would we feel about him then? You know what I'm saying? But those aren't the fucking cards, and that's not what happened. Yeah. And, you know, I was raised with my, my real dad was a hustler. My stepdad was a fucking uh, street guy. My mom was no fucking saint. So it's really weird how I grew up, how my rules always bent for certain, certain situations. My, my, my life is not, I don't judge people on a white and black situation. There's a gray area. Yeah. Before I judge somebody, I always think about their psyche. Where, where the fuck are they coming from and where they're at? You know what I'm saying? Me, you know, it's amazing that last night I was in a room full of tremendous comedians with Felicia. And I'm going to tell you right now, the most comfortable I ever felt was in a room full of thieves because I knew where I stood. <laughs> and I knew. That's so so true. those guys could all suck my dick last night. I mean, this in a great way because I don't know where I stand with those guys. If six fucking mm-hmm. Puerto Ricans with knives come in, mm-hmm. I don't know what Russell Peters or Joe Rogan and all these fucking morons are gonna do. <laughs> but there's an honor amongst thieves that I've always, even if somebody's kind of crooked, I've always leaned towards them in a way, I'll give them a chance more than somebody else, and then when they let me down, it's fucking because they are pieces of shit, but there's this honor amongst thieves. And you had uncles who were oh, probably yeah. involved in the same business. They weren't even fucking uncles, but they live and die for your mm-hmm. father more than his own brothers would because there's this certain fucking honor and people understand each other. It's, and there's and there's loyalty too. And, you know, and it's even for somebody else. Like, um, you know, if you, even women. Like, if I know a woman's kind of crazy, like she, she's a dancer and she stabs somebody or something, they got edge. So they got edge. I like a person with no, edge. When you were saying that, I was I thinking about my friend Jewel. When you were saying that, I was totally thinking about my friend Jewel because I know her from when I was 19 and we were both strippers. And it's true, like, when when you uh, are in any kind of group where something uh, bad is going down mm-hmm. that's, uh, that's affecting people's souls, you know what I mean? There, you, you get that, like... Yeah. Uh, that's why I'm glad uh, you came in today for the podcast because when we were first uh, hanging out together and sl- slow parts of the story comes out <laughs> and you talk a, b- a little bit about it in your act. Yeah, yeah, You I know, do. Uh, it's like, wow, you recognize in other people, yeah, you didn't have, uh, you grew up feeling tainted. Oh, in yeah. In some sense, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's, it's hard to be around uh, people who don't get that. And it's funny because when, when people sort of hear about my background, either they condemn me or the opposite, which I think is just as bad. They think it's really cruel. Right. Do you know what I mean? Which pisses me off just as much. It's like, you know, it, it, it is what it is, but don't be like, oh, man, it's like you grew up in The Sopranos. Right. That's so cool. Because yeah. it's, it's, it's not. That's, yeah. you know, that's also a shitty way to put it. But, you know, I agree with Joey. If someone had a room full of, you know, law enforcement officers and a room full of criminals, I'd go in the room full of criminals. To this day, I'm... the. I, I don't want to be bothered with the cops, with with anybody. Right, I was right. taught from a very young age that, you know, they're not your friends. It's but not. it's really weird. Some of the dirtiest people I've hung out with have cops. been cops. Oh, yeah. Some of the dirtiest people oh, yeah. I've hung out with the best criminal minds I've ever ran into. Oh. And that's what make them a cop. Because, listen, it's like I tell people all the time, uh, you know, when you have an attorney, I, I don't want the guy that looks like fucking John Smith with the house with the three kids. I want the guy that has a little edge because he yeah. knows the other side of the fucking field. Mm-hmm. You got to know the other side of the field to take you out of that field. How am I going to go to a guy that's never even got a fucking jaywalking ticket no. to court? I don't need that shit. Yeah. It's, like, it's like even, I hate talking politics, but even like the presidential debates, and I told Felicia, I can't stand these guys because they're all trying to be a little bit so perfect. And nobody's perfect. If no. you come right off from the beginning, that's why I would vote for Herman Cain if I could vote. If I didn't have the I counties would... withstanding, I could vote. I'd vote for Herman Cain ten times. Oh, I guess his I... dick sucked. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Oh, Think please. of all the good presidents. They were all getting oh. that dick sucked. All of them. All the good presidents that got no, their dick sucked. The There's thing, a difference, though. though, between getting your yeah. dick sucked and being someone who sexually harasses people. But you know, that's not even my them. issue. I'm going to tell you what my real issue is. You hate pizza, don't you, No, I always clog me up but my real problem (laughs) with Herman Cain is and I think people feel this way it's not that he's getting his dick sucked or he's throwing a move here and there Mm -hmm. it's just that he is incapable of being smooth about it because let's be honest if you're a woman and you're walking out in this world in different kinds of circles 
guys do that all the time. They throw it out they there. Do. They leverage yeah. a little bit. But then when you say, uh-uh, then they have, they, there's guys that know how to tap dance around it and it's mm -hmm. all good and they were smooth about mm -hmm. it. And that's the guy you want for president. You don't want the guy that's pissing <laughs> off 23 different chicks. Right. Yeah, you, you know what I mean? There. That's, that's the crux of why people Felicia are Michaels. not going to vote for fucking Herman <laughs> King. That's why people love Bill Clinton because Bill Clinton. He was smooth about it. You know, he was pretty smooth He just smiles. Yeah. We're back, bitches. <laughs> Being a beast podcast, motherfuckers. Felicia Joey Michaels. Diaz. We're back we with are. Nina Manny in the fucking house <laughs> doing our thing. Let me give a shout out to our Do sponsors it. real quick before the holiday season. Hey, like I told you once, TaintedVision.com. They got the neatest stuff for Christmas. If you're sick of giving ties and sick of going to Target and getting one of those fucking Target cards, go to TaintedVision.com. They got a little stick of number for you this week. And write this down. BBP. I can't see without my glasses. Just press them, Beauty and the Beast, and they'll give you 15% off on your orders. And it's $5 flat rate for all domestic orders. If you want to get the Joey Diaz special of the month, get the Skin and Bone Dominoes. Fucking tremendous. It'll throw Grandma right off a fucking loop on Thanksgiving when you break those out. You know what I'm saying? You mean so Christmas. Huh? You mean Christmas. Whatever the fucking holiday <laughs> when they come over. You know what I'm talking about. Nina Manny's uh, in the house. What's happening, Felicia Michaels? How was uh, your weekend? You know what? My The wheels are about to go off my fucking car. You know, like, I have so many things happening right now and that need my attention, and it's just fucking crazy. You ever get like that? We're just like, what the fuck? You know, like, the day is too short, and Christmas is coming, and, you know, that kind of stuff. You? Good. As long as you're busy and you're fucking doing your thing. That's the most important thing. Yeah. You don't want to be sitting around scratching your fucking little monkey all day. That's when evil thoughts go into your head. And, but, you know what I'm saying? True. You it's sit true. around fucking it's around true. all day. You're on Facebook looking at people's pictures. I was just telling a friend of ours that. It's you, pretty you nice that, sometimes you know, yeah. when you got to. Today I had plans to do something and I got to call. I got to go to high. I got to pick some shit up. The day fucking changed. You know what? I like to scratch my fucking balls through the first day of the week without mama around. Because on Mondays <laughs> I, I got shit to do. Oh, I know. Because I got the wife there all fucking weekend looking on my shoulder so I can't really do the little things you got to do on the fucking computer whatever so i had plans too but shit happens so you're busy shit so what happen. you cut yeah. on your sleep and uh you know you get better earlier here or there but i have been doing a lot of fun things like i uh, went to the naughty show that was a lot of fun i okay. really had a great time i photographed it and made a little video you can the video is awesome oh thank you and uh but it was really great to see a lot of big comedians out right now like last night at rogan's uh, podcast but uh, russell peters was on that show you know, like you, you don't get to see a lot of big comedians all the time. You know that, and, and it was really cool. You know, and uh, uh, the stripper was cool. And uh, did you get up there yourself and shake that ass just to let these motherfuckers <laughs> no. punks know way. what's really cracking? These laughing. chicks, you know. Why like do the, you let this happen? Why do you do what? that? Well, do you what? go on and you see these amateurs shake their ass. At, at <laughs> these one girls point, are not amateurs. At one point, don't you want to rip those glasses off and that fucking mommy scarf and go? Let me show you some real titties and a real. No, I would pay to see I, that. You know what I'm saying? I already did. That I already I financed my early twenties and doing that, right. so you know no. your body's still good enough to do no, that. Yeah. You look no, amazing. It's that ass. Look at that monkey. I know. It's I'm not gonna be the chick that all the twenty-year-old strippers are making fun of. I heard of. that pussy's so good. You know what I mean, that's I the, the worst the, chick. I heard you the dentist be. found the cavity in that fucking pussy is so good. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> that shit's been eating sweets like a motherfucker. Yeah, yum yum. It's leftovers. Can't deny that. No. So go up there and show to his Sam Tripoli's little army. He'll go back to Armenia. That motherfucker. He'll pack up and go back. Back to Armenia and put cologne on. It's all yeah, over. Yeah. These and, little and fucking you know amateurs. I saw Chris Neff. Okay. Oh, yeah. Chris. And, yeah, you know, and I, Chris and I had our little yeah, thing. Yeah. And, uh, what we, little thing? We, you know, oh, the, oh, I already talked about this okay. story. We were at uh, this gig, and he was being, you know, oh, I'm a cool comic dude. And I was like, what are you talking about? And then he was like, fucking, and, you know. And uh, it was awesome, though. I love and, Chris. Uh, he's my secret boyfriend. Oh, really? Yeah, he's. I'm going to cheat on my husband with him. Oh, but here's, <laughs> here's the deal. Then Dante emailed Chris and said, yo, yo, yo. And then Chris has been nothing but super kindness and a genuine, awesome person since. Since he's then. he's a sweet guy. He's got a tough facade, but yeah. he's he's a pussy cat. He was funny him. though. He was funny in the at the show. He played like a, a coke guy in the front row of the thing, and the stripper was all up on him. It was fun. It's anyway, casting. That's, that's what I did, and I did my kid thing. Kids are tough, Joey. Kids are tough. Oh shit! I always yeah. try to prep you. You look at me like I'm, I don't know what I'm fucking talking about. Joey always comes over and he's like, "Oh, I scare it's him. about I to happen." She's got two gorillas in training, and she don't fucking know. She's got one professional dick slinger. <laughs> That's gonna swing dick all over Studio City, I Sherman Oaks, uh -oh. and fucking better. cities no, close by. No. 
Felicia, you know how some moms drive their kids to sporting events? Uh -huh. She's going to drive no. this guy to sling dick. No, I'm like not. Like when he's 16. I like, not. You're, like, you're the worst. I, my, the I hear my ex-husband calling the lawyer right he's now. Such <laughs> a, he's such please, a good-looking little boy. She's got two good-looking little yeah. boys. Please stop yourself. But she's got another one that's going to be go to fucking Notre Dame. I'm not going to stop till he goes to Notre mm -hmm. Dame. He's going to Notre Dame. You know what I'm saying? He's going to Notre Dame to Let be Let me a change the subject, Ani, for a minute. Linebacker and shit. <laughs> so, uh, I'm scared so, to she have knows. Yeah. She knows. And I love Felicia yeah, because, yeah. you know, she tries to like, no, no, no. But it's all over. I see it already. I was one of those guys. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You see it when you're 12. Oh, yeah. You know the guys are going to fucking be pimps. You're looking around you're going, oh, this motherfucker is going to be a pimp. Well, it doesn't surprise me that Felicia would have yeah, a son that would, that would end up being, you mean, know, a serious pimp. She pimp. plays it like, I don't know. You got to strap one on. I told her years. Go. Start going to kickboxing. So the Get your shit nice. together. <laughs> Start going to nice. kickboxing. Because uh, I'm telling you uh, right now, but not like like a wide kickboxing. She got to go train with like Shido Tang, like Koreans <laughs> and shit. I'm telling you. I'm you'll, number one. You'll don't be call. beating the little girls off your don't, boy. Don't you'll be come fucking home, calling me in a year going, Joey, what am I going to do? Yeah. You know, she's got beautiful, healthy boys. My boys are pretty what the fuck? delicious. You, you know, if you sit there, you sit there and you make a list. Like, what do you want my boys to be like? You know, it's going to crisscross. You got two of them, not one and two girls. Mm -hmm. You got two. Not one and two girls. That's cool. Not one and a girl, not one and a cousin. That adds, you got two of them, that are, you know. I'm so thankful I have boys. I boys, yeah. You. Really? All my yeah, friends yeah, have yeah. girls. Like, I know this girl comic. I just did this thing up in uh, Ventura at that club at that festival, Randy Lewis's festival up there. And I hadn't seen her in 10, like, I bet 15 years. We used to do comedy together a long time ago. And she has a 13-year-old daughter. And oh. literally, what her first lines is, I want to fucking kill my 13-year-old daughter. And you know what? She's not, it's not cute. It's like, it, where I'm like, oh, I talk some shit. Where I'm like, oh. Fuck, you know what I mean? Oh, teenage girls. I got. I I'm remember so getting lucky. in fist fights with my mother. Yeah. When I was well, a which teenager. one of you was at thirteen? Then snap. And once you got the taste of the helmet, you know what I'm saying? That's what magic. Is. What's that? <laughs> what's that song that? What's that song that the girl from Heart sings? He's uh, a magic man. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. what that's about. The that taste helmet of the for helmet. The first that's going to be the title yeah. of this episode. Tasting the helmet the first the time. Mom's going to war. He's not for you, Mom. You haven't seen his dick. You know what I'm saying? But you can't say that shit. So you're like, Mom, have you listened to Heart the second album? Let that fucking set you free. But boys never have beef with their moms. Really. Well, yeah, I think that's a difference. Boys Teenage girls, man, they're mean to their moms. You, yeah. you own it. But you also have to have a certain persona, Felicia, with your boys. So you got to be their friend, but you also got to cut mm -hmm. that shit off right Oh, no, that's how I tried it. I tried it. What did you just say yeah. across that yeah. table? Listen, yeah. I will send this fucking dish email right to your skull. <laughs> you understand me? <laughs> say that again in front of your mother. Look at me when I talk to you, little bastard. And they'll look at you and then, all right, it's all right to eat now. Yeah. Well, the great Shit. thing is, too, Felicia, is, is, you know, far as, like, bad girl experience, you've been there. Yeah, you've that. been there. So you can smell those girls from a oh, mile away. So yeah. when they start sniffing around your boys, you'll, you'll be there. You know, you'll know. Yeah. I just don't have a leg to stand on, you know, because of my comedy and, you know. Being, you have a ton to you know. stand on. Yeah, That's what you makes do. you a cooler mom. You have experience. You, you know the, the other angle of it. That's what's so... They can't what, say mom doesn't get it. It's so right. weird. No, I know, I know, but it's that's so even weird worse. It's so you're an outsider... And you're, a, you know, because listen, man, who the fuck are you kidding? Like I tell Felicia, when I fart, I still giggle. <laughs> I fake people that I'm an adult. I'm fucking 13. Yeah. I'll always be 13. I don't yeah. give a fuck. That's what this whole thing is about, you know? But it's so weird, like, when you see fucked up parenting or, or you think that's weird because they're not being honest with their kids or whatever. One of the best stories Felicia ever told me was that, you know, about the Playboy, that the kid asked her, Mom, were you really in Playboy? Really? All the beautiful women in the world are in Playboy. Her fucking heart broke. You got boys. Because I was always worried yeah. about that question. Like, no. Really? Get, yeah, I was all like, God, the day I have to explain that, what they'll think. And no. Well, it's not like you were in Butthole said, Horse 3, yeah. you know? You were in Playboy. Now, a daughter <laughs> would hold that against oh, you. Oh, yeah. You follow me? Yeah. But a daughter, it's a, well, that's a lot better than you did with your life, showing your tits on a magazine. But a boy... Shit. But I feel like the reason the daughter <laughs> the daughter would hold it against you because she she would feel threatened, like I'm not gonna be as hot as mom. Uh, tell Joey about uh, the journey your mother had. Your mom has a very interesting oh quick God. story. Tell her that. that. Uh, 
Well, when my uh, when my dad went to jail when I was little, you know, here's my mom left. They repossessed, you know, boats, houses, took all of our money, you know, and she was left with nothing. And, you know, a bunch of people owed my dad money, but, you know, they're not going to give it to mm, her. Yeah. They're going to wait till he gets out of prison. Right, that's just not. So uh, she needed to find a way to, to support us. So she started uh, uh, a lingerie store. And now my mom is one of the, like, foremost bra fitters. That's what she does. She, tu- she touches tits for a living, you know. Her motto is she's changing the world two breasts at a time. So if you ever see some crazy redheaded Jewish lady on a show fitting women for bras, that's my mom. It's, it's, it's kind of hilarious. That's and I awesome. did it with her for, like, well over a decade. So it brought the best out of your mom because a lot of those ladies go crazy. Yeah. That's a very hard life. Yeah, very Listen, hard. you make a decision like they, they just started a show Mob Wives and it's a little ah, too bullshit, fucking fainty. Yeah. It's a little too fake. Your experiences were real. When, when, you know, they come, they take your dad who's out there doing whatever the fuck he's mm-hmm. doing because, you know, meth is one of the things. With meth comes 20,000 fucking oh, things. Oh, yeah. And okay. once you get, you, you can't, just can't rely on one thing. Chico's got this. You're financing this with the mm-hmm. meth money. It, it's a party. Yeah. It really yeah. does become a party in your fucking head. It's great. And uh, it's so weird, the women, what really happens to them. And some women oh, yeah. fucking go under. And some women, it brings the best out of them. Like your mom, well, she's a Jew. So nothing was going to take her the fuck down. You know what I'm saying? You know, uh, hell and fury. What's that expression? Hell had no fury like the woman scorned. Uh-huh. It never included Jewish women in that motherfucking <laughs> sentence. You know what I'm saying? That's a complete different fucking savage right there. And they, they put it together, man. Oh, yeah. My mom was a survivor. You know, God, hey, God bless her. She, you know, was made a lot of mistakes. But at the same time, she was she was willing to, you know, throw it down and take some hard times to, you know, make What fucking mistakes, family. bro? What fucking mistakes? She hooked up with a guy. She had a child with the guy. And what do you want to do? Abandon a guy when he's in fucking jail? Is that that's what most people today would do because oh, nobody's yeah. got fucking character no more. When the heat gets turned on, we want to bail on somebody in life. Mm-hmm. You know what? That person's gonna come and listen, once they give you nine years, that's a heavy sense. That means whatever you were doing, you were making a lot of money, you were doing a lot of it. Which means when you got out of prison after six months of cutting meat and sweeping and lying to yourself, because that's all you're doing. You are what the fuck you are. I don't know how the fuck I became a comedian by the grace of God. <laughs> this took me from a different realm, you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Because I loved what I did. I liked fucking getting up and having a different score in my head every day. There's some people who were made for that. It's in my fucking genes. I used yeah. to see my mom get up and go, today we're going to sw- sway the lines for people to bet 238, whatever the fuck it is, the book of dreams. The hell. It's just something that makes people alive. Today, you know, and I tell people all the time, when you're a comedian, you wake up in the morning, the first thing on your mind is, what am I doing to set tonight? Yeah. If that's not, when I used to wake up and I was brushing my teeth and peeing with my dick in my hand, I'm thinking, who's going down today for me to get that 50 to snort the first half gram? After that, everything else is for the house. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, if I make 200 today, and it's really weird that you, a woman sticks with a guy like that. They, they know. Well, you know, my mother always said, though, she said my father was the love of her life. Yeah, they know. You know? Yeah. Regardless. And, you know, she she had a boyfriend, of course, when he was in prison sure. and stuff. But as soon as he got out, you know, she told that guy to God. hit the fucking road God. that, you know, God. my dad was home She probably and... told him in the beginning. Oh, yeah, Listen, she did. here's the deal. You're he around didn't believe just... it, though. Yeah, they he always thought, those... He said, you know, I want to marry you. You know, uh, you got to leave your husband. She said, no, I told you from the beginning that wasn't going to happen. So, yeah. You know, it's he funny. Was when, surprised. Wow. Was when I, they were together eight years. When I double-checked your name, one of my favorite women names, if I ever was to have another daughter, it would be Nina. Because one of the biggest, my mother's, one of the, and I told Felicia about it, when I was a kid, my mom would have these parties, you know, for all the women that their husbands were locked up. or yeah. they were, So they would sit around and talk about this and that, and they'd try dresses on, they'd snort blow. In fact, Felicia turned it into animation. Uh, I one, saw it. But one I of saw the, it. One of the women was Nina. And Nina used to be in love with this man named Tati. He was a killer. But when he would go away, she'd date the blackest dude named El Negro Marcelo. <laughs> That's how black this guy was. They actually called him called El that. Negro. But he was Cuban. He was one of those dark, dark-skinned yeah. Cubans, and he was a killer. And that's what happened. He would go in, she'd fucking, mm-hmm. they, and they would show up at my house. And I'd run and go, Mommy, fucking, she's dead. He'd go, what are you going to do? That's Nina. That's Nina. What you, and I love Nina, so I let it slide. You know what I'm saying? Because I love Tati. But Marcelo used to give me hundreds, too, so I started liking him. You oh, know the yeah. deal. Yeah, you know the deal. You know when you grow up yeah, in Wheaton, you, you always know the people who will peel off a bill Peel for off you. a bill. 
That's what oh, it's all about. If you great. ain't peeling off a bill, yep. and when you're a kid and, <laughs> and you know somebody's going to peel off a bill oh, for yeah. you, even before they leave, they go, come here, what do you got in your pocket? Oh, I got money because you try to fight it off. You even know. Like, oh, yeah. you even add them into your house. So I'm going to deliver papers this week, and if my mother brings El Negro Marcelo over, he'll give me 40. Like, yep. you already got, and if I, if I go to the bar, I'll see Tati on Friday night. That's another 100. You can figure it into oh, your yeah. budget. Always. It's fucking you, hysterical, you so learn. I figure it when, in. When I was a teenager, my dad was out of prison. Uh, when, when I was a teenager, whenever me and my friends would go out, they'd all want to meet at my house because they knew that my dad was going to peel them all you gotta off. You got to peel them off. You got to wow. peel the kid. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's not something that's really done today. Mm-hmm. It's not accepted, but in, when I was a kid, oh, yeah. every adult that came to the house oh, had yeah. to peel off. When oh, your yeah. mom went into the other room to get the purse, oh, yeah. you had to peel off, dog. Like, <laughs> well, don't tell mom great. I gave you this. Yeah, don't wow. tell mom I gave wow. you my, a 20, a 10, a 50. Oh, yeah. My dad had this one friend, um, uh, Nick the Greek, who was a big math addict. He's in prison now. Hi, Nick. Um, <laughs> Hi, Nick. <laughs> we, we always knew as a teenager that if you let him talk to you about Satan, for like 10, 15 minutes, he'd give you a hundred bucks. Oh, really? Yeah. So you he took was the real wacky, wow. but we didn't care. You got a hundred bucks. Wow. So we always knew when we were short on cash, we'd be like, where's Nick the Greek? We're going to listen to you know him talk about Satan for a little, get a little cash. It was That's great. That's crazy. Because he was always super high yeah. on meth, you yeah. know, whacked out, having orgies, talking about Satan. He was something else. But it was really weird because that guy, she kept dating El Negro Marcelo, and then Tati would come out of jail, and I guess Tati got wind of it. And right before my mother died, Tati shot El Negro Marcelo in a fucking oh, bar. Shot him yeah. dead in Harlem. And that's when the crime they were looking for him for, when my mom was kind of harboring him before she died. Nobody mm-hmm. wanted him around their houses. My stepdad left because my mom was so close with Tati. She's like, what am I going to do? He shot somebody, so I'm going to shut him off? Mm-hmm. Fuck you, motherfuckers. I've known since we were kids in Cuba. He was supposed to be my godfather, the guy that stands over me, but he was in jail. Mm-hmm. So a different guy had to stand over me and shit. So it's amazing when you grow up in that circle. And I accepted it. I would never, I never repeated it to another kid what my family did. Never. Never. It wasn't even allowed to repeat. Nothing. I don't know what they do. Nobody. Mm. I never even talked about my mom doing blow until about 10 years ago. I never even, I was too embarrassed. Yeah, I never talked about it for a long time. Never. You don't mention what goes on in your fucking house. Mm -mm. As a matter of fact, I didn't even like kids coming over because of that shit. As I got older, kids would come over, but I had to know them for a while. Mm -hmm. Nobody was allowed in my fucking house. Oh, yeah, nobody was allowed in my house. No, no. There's too much money in the house. Don't let nobody in this fucking house. Well, we used to have trash cans for money. No money enough for nobody comes to your fucking house to play. And there was nothing. always drugs around. You want to go over there, you go over there. Oh, yeah. Nobody's allowed in your fucking Plus, house. nobody let their kids come over yeah, no. <laughs> After you make the papers, after you make the papers, yeah. Oh, yeah, my dad was your life changes. The By the yeah. way, I grew up that way in a sense of once your mom tries to kill herself and the ambulance comes up, no one, nobody no fucking one comes over. Come over then play. you live in the crazy house, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> let me ask you this. Do you think your father had a, came around through prison of understanding what he did was morally wrong. Did he ever have a reckoning like that? Did he ever have a process like that? And I, I know that sounds stupid, but you know, I'll, I'll be honest. I don't think so. I don't. I, you know, I, I I really don't think so. Um, I I think his whole thing was, you know, I I love my kids. I love my wife. You know, I tried to provide for them the best that I could. Um, and I I think he was just part of a a, a different world where. You know, his thing was is he never ratted on anybody. So he was a good he was a good guy. And people always came up to me and said, Your father's a good guy because he never ratted. A lot of people, you know, would, would turn and rat on people and that was my father's thing. I've never ratted on anybody. I've taken the knocks for the things that I've done. I've done my time. I paid my dues. But he he's never I've never heard him say what I did was wrong or or anything like that. And I, at the same time I'm fine with that. I've forgiven my dad. I don't know. know your father. I don't know him at all. I just know the stories you told me, whatever. But nine years in a jail cell is a long time. You think about something, guys. Yeah. And you think about how different your life could have been, and you Mm -hmm. think about your kids, and you accept it because it's in front of you. People like that accept their fate. Mm -hmm. Where other people don't, they have to go to a psychiatrist and see this and go get, just accept it for what the fuck it is and move on with it. Yeah. And most of those people, I haven't seen my daughter in 10 years. This is the same thing. In my mind, this is a prison when you don't see your children. It's Mm -hmm. a prison. And uh, 
the things that go through your mind as as as, as the persona that I have to hold up to be but in my mind you always have regrets yeah you know when i was 28 and i was sitting in that fucking cell i had a regret you know what i'm saying i didn't have kids then i had a regret you know of what your life could have been or whatever i'm sure before he went into the coma and before he ran you know an aneurysm that's a lot on your mind oh and yeah he loved I'm... you he didn't abandon you guys you no. know and, and i'm here to tell you the other side yeah. of how a guy thinks because i'm around those people i've been you know it's really weird what people think in life and Sometimes just because you're in jail doesn't mean your parents stop loving you. They just no, made a mistake, No, and I never man. felt that way. No, and that's great. That my brother, a lot of people be, my brother felt that way. That's a different story. My brother yeah, felt yeah. that way. Now, there's people it was hard for. It was really hard for my brother. I have a friend who, 35 years, I've been talking to him on the phone. What do we got, seven days a week? I talk to him on the phone nine days a week. And everything I know about his father, I found out from a mutual friend of mine that was married to his sister. And all his pain, when I talked to him, I asked him how his father is, I could tell it. And I found out that his father went to jail. He didn't talk to the father for years. He wouldn't talk to the father. The father was a wheel of fucking deal, a great yeah. guy. I knew him. You know, I used to go to the house and eat. And then somebody came to me, and they're like, you know whose house you go to eat all the time, right? Mm -hmm. That guy's a killer. Well, if he is, he's five foot six and 160. Wow, who's he going to kill? Yeah, that guy was a fucking killer. And to this day, the, the son has never even said a boo to me about my dad that and i think in a way he thinks i've heard stuff but i would never hold it against him. i still love him no matter what you know yeah yeah it's very weird it's very some kids are completely fucking turned off to the idea to it well i think it's different because you know he lost <coughs> you know a father figure he lost uh you know ha really having a man around in his life and i think he didn't know how to be a man or to, to, to grow up to be a man or felt like he had a great example. And I think it was a lot, a lot harder for him. I don't think he was able to separate what my dad did from who he was. Like what he did was who he was. You know what I mean? Right, Whereas right. I, don't, I, I don't necessarily believe that's true about people. So it was very different for me. Wow, Nina, thank you so much for uh, coming on. I'm so glad we finally got the opportunity to have you here and, oh, and for you to you. share your story. And uh, uh, we would love to have you back anytime. Anytime. So I had a lot of fun. It was, it was great to get to connect with you, That's Joey. Right. And, you know, Felicia, I love you. Sexy motherfucking Felicia Michael. Uh, I know, right? What do you got planned this <laughs> week, you filthy animal? I, uh, I'm going to go with you tomorrow for your thing. Okay. And uh, uh, I'm just scaring, you know, up uh, and down for Christmas stuff, you know. Okay. I'm doing that fucking, you know, I'm being a mom right now for the next few weeks. But we need you to do this. You're a good mom, Felicia. Uh -oh. Great fucking mom. There but you you're going to have your hands full, bitch. Take that kickbox and fuck. A good one. Privates and shit. Where they make all you right, run with fucking barrels right. on and stuff. By the way, if you would like to email us, you can email us at beautyintobeastpodcast at gmail.com. A lot of great emails lately. Also, leave your comments on iTunes for us to help us with our uh, podcast. We're getting some great numbers lately. And all, all because of you guys. Myself and Felicia, we love you to death. Also, a shout out to our sponsors, Tainted Visions arts.com go over there and get 15% off they got some really neat stuff guys I'm about to get some stuff before the holiday crush also NoHo Dispensary 4850 Lancashire go over there and tell them you're in the beast section they'll give you a t-shirt or some shit they have and also for the weed selection of the week go over and see my man over at Divine Wellness and get the great white Okay. <laughs> Stay right. black, bitches. Have a great week. I love you, Nina. Thank you very I love much. You. Thank Felicia, you're looking better than ever. You oh, know what I'm saying? Too, Sexy motherfucker. Too.